Welcome to Globally Speaking, a production by RWS. Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who is engaged in global communications. Our experts talk to various industry thought leaders to dig into the most critical issues impacting language and localization today. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. Now, here is the host for this episode. Hello, my name is Matthew Cottingham. I work as a program director at RWS, focusing on content publishing and streaming and content services. Today, I have with us Stephanie Cardwell, manager of global localization at Alterex. We'll be talking about women in the localization industry, doing business in Japan, and some trials and tribulations, and some triumphs of starting a localization program from scratch. Welcome, Stephanie, to Globally Speaking Radio. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself to get started? Sure. So my name is Stephanie Cardwell. I am currently based in Denver, Colorado. I'm originally from Chicago, and I've spent pretty much my entire career and my education all focused on everything localization. I currently work at Alteryx outside of Denver and Broomfield, Colorado, where I've spent the past four years building up our localization program pretty much from the ground up. So talk to me a little bit more about that. That sounds like a big job to build something from the ground up that way, especially a localization program. When you go into something like that, how do you start planning to build something as complex as this? So Alteryx as a company provides a platform for data science and data analytics, but I don't have a data analytics background. And so, you know, when I first joined, I had to spend a lot of time just learning what our software does. What does our space look like? How are we serving our customers while kicking off the localization process for our first two languages? So when I joined, we had launched our first two languages within the first three months after I joined. And so I kind of jumped in in the middle of their process. And so for me, it was all about asking questions, getting to know all of the engineers and the product managers that were on the team and figuring out where do we start? (laughs) And, you know, what was probably the trickiest part about that beginning phase was that we were already in the process of translation. And I had to understand what does the process look like today and what should it look like tomorrow so that we can actually scale our program to serve the entire business. And so I had to partner with a couple of different engineers to figure out where do we go from here? How do we make this better? How much did you have to change what was already in place? Did you have to completely scrap what was happening before? Or did you just tweak it some? How big of a leap was it? No, we scrapped everything. (laughs) We really did, you know, and the reason was twofold. One was because at the very beginning, I like to say, probably like most companies, our localization process was done in Excel and in Outlook. So our software engineers would, you know, scrape their their code repositories and say, okay, Stephanie, here's a couple of strings in Excel. By the way, we're releasing in two weeks. So hurry up and get that translated. And so, yeah, there was not enough time for translation, let alone for the linguistic and functional testing that we really had to be doing on our product. And then additionally, I was evaluating our vendor services because I wasn't very pleased with some of the guidance that our vendor had first given to the 
overall Alteryx team. And so I had to find the right partner to help us scale our program and provide those solutions that can move us away from Excel. (laughs) Sure, sure. Yes. So if you had a chance to do it all over again, what would you do differently? That's a good question. You know, it's hard for me to say because every single step was such a learning experience. You know, I think the foundation of our program was built on really smart engineers. I would not have been as successful if I didn't have those partners in our engineering teams. And that constant cycle of feedback that we've received from our product managers and our engineering teams was instrumental in figuring out, okay, so we're going to make this little change. What do you guys think about that? And then they'd give me feedback. Some people would say, no, Stephanie, this is awful. I'm not doing this. And I say, okay, let's tweak it a little bit more. And so we had to figure out like the iterations of what works and how do we adapt our process while we're trying to launch products in market and we're seeing huge international expansion. And so it was kind of like you're trying to make every all these changes while the train is running full speed. And so for me, I don't know if I would change much because I've learned so much from all of the people at Alteryx and from my time. I think if I had to choose one thing, it would probably be getting more resources from the get-go. There was a lot of pitching senior leadership of saying, okay, you know, this is what localization is. This is what I need to be successful. This is the ROI we're going to see. And please help me with, you know, a couple of dollars next quarter, you know, so I can finish translating this product. Let me ask the question a little bit differently. Some of the same question a little bit differently, which is that let's say I want to start a new program. What would you tell me to think about as I'm starting something up? I would tell you to think about what are the needs of your business? When I was first starting out, I was searching the internet and talking to people like, okay, how do you run localization? And what I've come to the conclusion is, is that there isn't a little box that a localization program sits in within a company. You really have to have a thorough understanding of your company and how each team runs you have to be very flexible. So like the localization process that we've implemented within our product management and engineering team is different than how we serve our marketing teams in region. And so you have to recognize that there isn't going to be a perfect little solution and you have to be open to trial and error. So get that senior leadership buy-in, have them understand the value of localization, how it drives international revenue, how you're going to make an impact on the business and then go from there. Yep. So how do you do that with established customers? So if you're trying to iterate and you're trying to to move the ball forward, as we say, but many customers are hungry for stability and predictability, how do you iterate without dropping the ball? (laughs) For me, proactive communication. You have to constantly be talking to your customers and identifying what do they need. And you have to also think about if the customers in Japan versus the customer in France, do they need the same thing? Are they looking for a different experience? Product localization isn't just about translating the UI of your software. It goes much, much further than that. And those are the types of conversations that you need to be having with your, with your customers. And, you know, defects happen in all software. And so when you find them, say, okay be open and transparent and say, here's this this problem, we know about it, 
and we're going to fix it in a reasonable time frame, <laughs> of course, if you can try. But that type of honesty and transparency builds trust. And if you don't have trust with your internal and external stakeholders, then you will not be successful. Yep, completely agree. I've been bitten by the lack of trust thing in the past. And once you lose it, it's awfully hard to get it back. Oh my gosh, it is so hard. <laughs> I've taken several what we called apology tours in Japan, actually. Oh. So I know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You've mentioned product managers and engineers a couple of times. And I think in your role, you sort of sit between technical and business, almost like you are a translator between engineering and product. How do you negotiate that sort of relationship so you can speak well or on behalf of either side of that fence? I think whenever you're thinking about you know, your stakeholders, who are you talking to, understanding your target audience and pitching them in a way that illustrates what's in it for them. You know, a lot of times in the conversations that I had with engineers, they had frustrations because they had their own priorities. Localization and internationalization was not one of them. So whenever they saw me walking up to their desk, they would run away. And, you know, <laughs> so you'd have to understand, let me help you. And when you're talking to product managers, understanding what are they looking for? How do you help them be successful? And so when you kind of flip the conversation around being like, here's my goals, and this is how I'm going to deliver according to your initiatives as well, then everybody is kind of moving along to the same end goal. And that's how you really get that true collaboration cross-functionally within an organization. So my experience is that sometimes the engineers can get excited about the shiny new thing, the shiny new piece of technology, and the business can get excited about other shiny things as well. When you have to balance between those things, and you talked a little bit about putting things in terms, so it's what's in it for them, right? Well, for me, the question then is what's best for the business? What's going to help our customers be successful? What's going to increase revenue? It all goes back to what's best for the business to me. And sometimes you do have to make those hard decisions and put it in a way of, I hear you. However, this is actually the route that we need to go and provide examples and show that, you know, people just want to be heard. And localization is such a niche field that a lot of people don't fully understand it. And so take the time to evangelize localization to all different parties. You know, we've done roadshows with development teams. We've held lunch and learns for the entire office to describe cultural awareness activities and how to work with people globally. And when you're spreading awareness and, and providing a source of education, then people have a better understanding of, okay, Stephanie made this decision because she knows it's going to be best for the customers in Germany or, you know, whatever. And when they have that understanding, I feel that it helps foster more collaboration while developing a global mindset. That's a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know more about this apology tour that you took in Japan. <laughs> tell me, yes. I, I don't know if you can name names or, or be specific, but tell me about what that's like having to go on a on an apology tour or a reconnection, reestablishing trust sort of tour. You know, what's funny is the very first customer I ever met with at Alteryx was one of our Japanese partners. And this was like week one of my time at Alteryx. And they were having issues using our platform with Japanese data. 
And so this wasn't your typical, oh, this is a translation issue. No, this was a functional bug that our platform was not encoded properly to handle multi-byte characters. And so while we're figuring out how to translate our UI into Japanese, which is a whole other ballgame because of how perfect every you know, translation has to be to really get that point across, I also had to investigate these functional problems. And I spent quite a bit of time in, in Japan meeting with these customers and partners before we even had sales teams on the ground there trying to understand what are our requirements for our customers. And so I thought I had it all figured out. You know, we were making such great advancements. We launched the beta of our Japanese product and market. And then I still blame our previous vice president of customer support. He joined and I was so excited to meet him. And he said, during our first one-on-one, Stephanie, have you gone on an apology tour to Japan yet? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh no, we're doing great. And, you know... A year later, I was back in Japan doing an apology tour. And so I think he jinxed me, to be honest. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If he had just stayed quiet, you would never have had to say a word, right? Right. (laughs) But in reality, it was because we were not having a full picture of the requirements of doing business in Japan from a functional standpoint within our product. And so there was just having, you know, a difficult user experience for our Japanese customers. and. We had to make significant leeway and say, okay, we heard you and we're going to do better. And so the last time I went to Japan was probably about maybe summer of 2019. Actually, it's my last my last trip internationally uh, before COVID hit. And I went and visited each customer and I showed them a demo of the work that we've done and just, you know, had a conversation with them and said, okay, you know, we heard your feedback we're very apologetic and we're going to um, have consistent communication from here on out. We've formed what we've called internally as our tiger team, which includes cross-functional representation of stakeholders across our business who are dedicated to seeing success in Japan. And for me, it's all about that proactive communication and the honesty. And, you know, we slipped up there with a couple of high impacting defects. And now, you know, we've said, okay, never again, let's, Let's figure out how to do this differently. And so now Japan is, has always been kind of like my baby. I've spent so much time there and trying to really give them that white glove experience. Had you done business in Japan before this? No, no. <laughs> so was your apology tour your very first exposure? No, it was, it was my third time in Japan. I had to do a lot of, of research just on the cultural nuances, figuring out what's the best way to eat with chopsticks when you're out with with customers and just doing business as a woman in Japan, making sure that you know, you're respectful and following all the customs. And I wish I could speak Japanese because it was, it was getting tricky to present your product roadmap with an interpreter right next to you. And our product is pretty complex. And I can't even explain some of the functionality within our tools in English. And so there's a lot of preparation that we have to do before we go to Japan and, and teaching our interpreters exactly what our product functionality is and, and things like that. So it was not my first time, but it was it was a learning experience. And the Japanese customers are, are really, really uh, important to me. I'd like to get your impressions on how you have to comport yourself differently or things that you need to think about as a business leader as a woman doing business in Japan. Any advice for people? 
For me, my advice whenever you travel internationally, whether it's for pleasure or for business, is to do your research. Understand the cultural expectations so that you're not offending anyone. But I think I went a little overboard with all of my research, to be honest with you. But I think the stark difference for me was that the vast majority of the time, the people in the room when we were meeting with customers were almost all men. And there are a couple of women with our partners and customers, but for the most part, mainly men who are who you're speaking to. And there's definitely the hierarchy within Japan as well. And so just understanding the way they do business and how important trust is and and providing excellent customer support. It's those little nuances that doesn't mean that other customers in different countries don't value trust and customer support. It just has a different meaning in Japan. And so for me, I've tried to to learn every little ounce of the culture so that I was respecting them so that we can successfully do business there with all of our customers and, and treat them with respect as well. Mm-hmm. I know that you've recently started to spend some time with women in localization. Talk to me a little bit about your involvement there. Yeah. So I recently joined the Colorado chapter leadership team and I am their new chapter manager for 2021. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. And we've built up this really fantastic team of women who are super excited about, you know, networking and meeting with other ladies here in Colorado. But I, I do want to also point out that men are also welcome to join women in localization. Not women only, Um, (laughs) just a little call out. But for me, I've had the the opportunity to have such great mentors in my life. You know, at Alteryx, one of our co-founders and and our chief advocacy officer, Libby Duane, is a mentor of mine. And her commitment to helping others, to giving back to the community, to fostering education across the the world really has just kind of inspired me that I want to go out and help people. I've learned so much in my time at Alteryx, not just about the field of localization, but you know how you can speak multiple languages. Like you were kind of talking about how you talk to engineers, you, you speak to senior leaders in the business. And I really wanted to give back to my community and say, okay, let me help you guys be successful. And so for me, I've always kind of had like that coach mentality where I want to see other people excel. And so I really wanted to kind of foster that community here in Colorado because we actually have a lot of LSPs here, as well as some companies on on the buyer side as well who have localization programs internally. And so I think it's just a great opportunity to to network and and to meet with other people. And hopefully one day soon we can we can meet in person. No more virtual happy hours. <laughs> yes, yes. I love how you talk about being inspired by this. How do you inspire others when you're doing chapter activities? What works in terms of inspiring others to get excited about the field? I try to think about inspiration is being, you know, an open person and figuring out what makes people tick. What do they need in their career? Because sometimes, you know, you're just looking for like that personal advice of how do I negotiate my salary at work? Especially as a woman, you know, I am the best advocate for others. I am not always the best advocate for myself. (laughs) And just kind of being open and honest and and giving people a safe space to network and to learn 
to me in itself is inspirational. And just being a good human um, really just kind of lends to that. That sounds like good advice, no matter where you go. For sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No matter the field. And that's inspiring in its own way to get a sense of honesty and build that trust. And I read a book once called The Leader's Voice. The book can be boiled down to two things. Number one is know your subject backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. And number two is tell the truth. And those are the, and as if you know what you're talking about and you're telling the truth, then that is the leader's voice. And it sounds like you have that with inspiring people and knowing, you know, knowing what you know. Sounds like you're well positioned then, not only in the chapter, but in other areas as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great advice for any person, you know, no matter what they're doing, whether you are looking to build relationships with friends or with colleagues, or you're trying to advance in your career, knowing your audience is not a subject that's just for localization professionals. One of my favorite books that I talk about is The Culture Map. And for me, that's what I recommend people to read, whether you're in translation, localization, or you're just doing business with colleagues internationally. Understanding how people communicate and how language influences their behavior and their understanding will take you miles ahead of other people. Yeah. And just the variety of cultural nuances that mm-hmm. there are in this world. You could spend a lifetime or two exploring those things and still not still not see everything, I'm sure. I find that right? very exciting to do as well, right? It's so fascinating to me. And I think that's one of the things that kind of drew me to the localization field was that there are words that exist in other languages that aren't really translatable into English or, or vice versa. And when you start to learn a language, I think you start to see the world in a different view. And it just it just kind of opens your eye to an entirely different world, honestly. And that's why I love learning languages and, and working with people who have different backgrounds than my own, because I'm always learning something new. And it's just, it's so fascinating. So when you say a different view, I completely agree with you that you get a new perspective on the world. How do you think your perspective has changed as you have gained more, let's just call it cultural insights? Is it on a case-by-case basis, or do you think your worldview has changed as well? I would say my worldview has definitely changed. It can be as small as understanding that Italy has way better tomatoes than in the U.S., to appreciating how different the family dynamics can be in Latin South America. And it's something that I treasure, like that little bit of knowledge. And it's kind of like a window into a different person's worldview as well. So it can be like this grand topic and it can be as small as somebody's home as well. Yep. I find that you sort of step into a new set of clothes in order to really absorb and be open to those new experiences. So it's, it's inspiring to hear you talk about it even. Absolutely. Honestly, I spent a lot of time in Italy and my time there really opened me up to how different people live and love. And that sounds really cheesy, but it's true. And, you know, seeing people spend time with their families out at midnight, like it blew my mind that that moms had their little kids out with them. But it just goes to show that, you know, they have different perspectives that are really important to them and bringing that back home with me is something that I try to do whenever I travel abroad. So Stephanie, tell me a little bit about how you got into localization. 
Yeah, I know you have a background. You studied and learned about the localization and translation world. Then you stepped yeah. into a business role. How did you make that transition? So my career really started when I was, I think I was 12 or 13. My best friend's Colombian, and I still remember the very first novena celebration I was at with her family. My nickname is La Rubia, or the blonde. And so they had all of this great food, and there were musical instruments. And I remember her her mom or dad handed me a piece of paper with song lyrics in Spanish, and I had no idea how to pronounce these words. And I cannot sing. I try to sing, but I am an awful singer. And that was kind of my first introduction to a culture that wasn't really my own, even though, you know, they're a second family to me now. And so I focused my entire education on learning Spanish. So I did my BA in, in Spanish and intercultural communications. And then I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And my university actually opened up its first master's program in translation or interpretation, depending on which field you were going into. And I said, OK, this is for me. I was learning Italian and spending, you know, every summer in Italy taking university classes there as well. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to this grad program and then I'm going to go abroad and I'm going to be an expat and I'm going to live this glorious life backpacking around Europe being a translator. That did not work out. As soon as I got my first student loan bill, I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. The world changed. Yeah. And so I said, okay, Stephanie, that was not a realistic vision, but what can you do that is still around the translation field? Because it is a passion of mine. I love what I do every day. And I started researching different language service providers and trying to utilize the background that I had in in translation in the real world, quote unquote. And so I started off at translation vendors. And that really provided me with the solid foundation of understanding the intricacies of a localization project. I know how to work with people who are based in market, how to communicate with customers and just understand the logistics of you know, a localization program. Making the jump over to business, I have no idea what I was thinking. I was so nervous. And I remember during my interview, they were showing me how they were managing their quote unquote translation memory, which was in Excel. And during my interview, I said, okay, Stephanie, go big or go home. And right then and there, I said, this is wrong. You should not be doing this. And this is how you should be doing it instead. And then I was hired. It was just a lucky opportunity that Alteryx was hiring a localization product manager and that I got it. It has honestly changed my life and has made me grow a lot as an individual from working and hiring the best team at Alteryx. Like I know I'm biased, but the localization team is the best team. Each person is from a different country. They, their native language is a different language. We are very food motivated. We used to do a traveling potluck, visiting a different team within our office. And we would each cook food from our own countries. And when you get to work with people that you love and they're just kind, hardworking people, like it just makes the job not a job anymore, you know? Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, an RWS production. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podbean. Check out other episodes on globallyspeakingradio.com, where you can also find transcripts from every show. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. 
So don't hesitate to reach out to us by contacting us at info at globallyspeakingradio.com. 